Welcome to Donnacloney Parish Podcast. If you want to know more information about the parish, how to support us, or for other social media, please go to www.donnacloneyparish.co.uk. Thank you. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so, it condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is dead, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good evening, everybody in Donnacloney Parish. It's absolutely wonderful to be able to join with you this evening for your evening service. Can I first of all just say thank you to your rector, Brian, for his kind invite to come and to preach for you this evening. While I'm not physically with you in person this evening, I trust and pray that you will be blessed through the preaching and the reading of God's own holy word. May I also convey Greetings from my own home parish here in Kilhorn and along. You'll see behind me that's where I am in Kilhorn uh, Parish this evening. But let us just pray as we come now to God's word. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for your word. It is convicting and it is challenging and it is comforting to the soul. And so we pray now, Father, that you would help us as we come to it. Speak through it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to be studying Romans chapter 8. So if you do have your Bible close to hand, please do turn to Romans chapter 8. We're going to read uh, 
We're going to be studying together from verse 1 to 11. So please do, I encourage you to have that in front of you as we look at it. Some of you may know the name Martin Lloyd-Jones. Martin Lloyd-Jones, he was a preacher in Westminster Chapel in London. And he said this about this chapter. He said this, let me share this with you. We come here to the great eighth chapter of this epistle. He goes on to say, There is general agreement in saying that it is one of the greatest chapters in the Bible. Matthew Henry states this about the chapter. Many of the people of God have found it in this chapter to be a spring of inexpressible comfort to their souls, both living and dying. You will probably be able to relate with both preachers. It is a chapter that is comforting to both the living and the dying. It is one that convicts and challenges. And so as we turn our hearts now to chapter 8 and verse 1 to 11, in these verses Paul, he talks about the privilege and the position of a believer who is now joined with Christ Jesus. He talks about the life of that believer, that is to say, life now in the Spirit. And look at me there at verse 1. We come to that verse. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We see here a stunning, a marvellous, a joyful and a comforting implication of the gospel of Jesus Christ that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you are a believer of the Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit dwells within you, then this is your position. There is therefore now no condemnation for you. Rather, you have been justified, declared righteous. You have been delivered from the punishment that was deserved because of your own sin. This verse it describes the position and the privilege of a believer. But notice there it says, therefore. So it's talking that implies that this is a result of what has just been discussed in chapter 7 in the previous chapter. It says, there is therefore now no, no, never. It implies never, there is never any condemnation for those who are truly joined with Jesus Christ. You see, for those who are in Christ, past, present and future sins are dealt with. Does that mean we can continue sinning? Well, we read in Romans 6 and 15. What then are we to sin because we are not under the law but under grace? And Paul quickly replies, by no means. By no means are we to continue sinning because we are under grace and not under the law. It uses the word condemnation, and this is a judicial word, a word you would find in the courtroom. And in the biblical sense, condemnation is the opposite of justification, which is the position of a believer. Those who are not in Christ, they face condemnation and will be punished. That is sure. 
That is certain. But those who are in Christ Jesus are united with him, you see. He is their Lord and he is their saviour. And so let us now ask the question, why? Why is there no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus? Well, God has condemned sin by sending his son Jesus. We read about that in verse 3 there, if you look at it. Jesus, he died on the cross, and so God condemned sin in the flesh in Jesus. What sweet words in our ears. That for a believer, for you, if you're a believer this evening, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Look at me please with verse 2. For the law of the Spirit has life, for the law of the Spirit of life rather, has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. It is important to note perhaps at this point that the passage here that we're reading tonight mentions the Spirit 15 times. That is Spirit with a capital S. You see that the passage has much to say about life now in the Spirit. But look at me, uh, please, with uh, verse 2. Look at it there. It begins with the word for. For. This verse, it goes on to give us the reason why there is now no condemnation for the believer. Verse 2 is not detached from verse 1. It is a continuation. It gives us the reason for that first verse. It tells us that the law of the spirit of life sets us free in Jesus from the law of sin and death. Notice we have been set free in Jesus Christ. The grounding of this freedom is in Jesus Christ. And therefore it will be clear who is in Jesus Christ because the power of this Holy Spirit will be evident in that person's life because the power of sin will be broken. The law of God is good. It is righteous. It is holy. But because you see of the weakness of the flesh, because of sin, it can produce only sin and death. We learn more about that in the third verse, if you look at it there with me. It says, for God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh. We read there, for God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. And so we ask the question, what could the law not do? And the answer to this is this. The law could not deliver sinners from the penalty of it. It could not make us righteous. It could show us of our sinfulness. And in and of itself is a good thing, but it could not remove the condemnation that was ours, you see. It was weakened by the flesh. Every single human is uh, sinful. Every single human in your family is sinful. Every person you've ever met is by nature sinful. The whole of humanity is fallen. It is because of our sinfulness that the law was weakened. 
It was without power to make us righteous. Only Christ could achieve that by his death and resurrection. We read for God in that verse. For God. You see, everybody, God is rich in mercy. It was he who did what the law could not. And I encourage you, brother and sister in Christ, to take time this week to thank our Heavenly Father that he sent his Son, Jesus Christ, so that there may be no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so the law simply could not solve humanity's sinful problem and sinful state. But what did God do? Well, we read on in verse 3 that God sent his own son. God provided a way. Jesus was God's only son. He was sent in the likeness of sinful flesh. He appeared as a man, but yet was sinless. This is what that, that verse means when it says he was in the likeness of sinful flesh. It does not say he was sinful flesh. Rather, he was sent as a man, but was sinless. He was completely without sin. Jesus Christ was the sacrifice, you see, for sin. What is the result of this? Well, we read at the end of verse 3, he condemned sin in the flesh. Sin was condemned in Christ Jesus' body. When Christ was killed upon the cross, he was condemned for all sin was laid upon him. The wrath of God was satisfied and by his death, by his death upon the cross, Jesus there made a way for sinners to have and to know salvation. Continuing in verse 4, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. We walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Christ was condemned in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Every person you see who is not a believer, who is not a Christian, is still under the requirement of perfection and condemnation until the coming of, uh, until committing to Christ as their Lord and Savior. They're still under that requirement and so we can never meet the requirement of perfection never but when we became christians we were united with christ we were united with christ and therefore we find in the law a standard for our behavior a guide a rule for our behavior as christians and how to live it says might be fulfilled in us as Christians. We are no longer in bondage to the condemnation of the law. The law it reflects God's moral character and his will. The spirit has fulfilled this righteous requirement of the law in us by writing the law of God upon our hearts and granting us to obey it. In whom does this take place? Well, the verse says, in us, it refers to believers. And it closes by saying that verse, by saying there, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And here we have a fact about Christians. Not a, a mandate or a command, a fact about Christians. 
who walk according not to uh, the flesh, but according to the spirit. By saying walk, Paul here implies a lifestyle. This is the lifestyle of a Christian. We do not walk according to the flesh, rather to the spirit. True Christians have indwelling in them the Holy Spirit. They walk according to the spirit. And so in your Christian walk, which is consequently your lifestyle, do you see the fruit of the spirit in your life? Well, how may we respond to verse 4? Well, verse 5 helps us with that question. We can, we can look at it there. It says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. We can look to our minds and assess what our minds are set upon. You may from time to time hear the common phrase, oh yes, they're quite set on it, they they have their minds set on it and they're going to go ahead and do it. You might hear that phrase from time to time. Well, by seeing what our minds are set on, we can see what our desires often are. Let me give you an illustration of that. might be a bit of a weak illustration, but bear with me. If your mind is on perhaps your dinner you can see what your desire is there your desire is to get your dinner do you see what i'm saying here it's not a great illustration but i I think it, it makes the point clear those who live according to the flesh have their mind on the things of the flesh that is to say they constantly think and desire the things of the fallen sinful world they look for the satisfying the cravings of the flesh. If you're not a Christian tonight, you seek to satisfy the flesh, your sinful cravings. We see in verse 6 there what the result of that is, death. It is death. Those who live according to the Spirit, they set their minds on the things of the Spirit. You see the difference here. They are concerned with pleasing their heavenly father. They are concerned with serving him, not themselves. They are concerned with furthering the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they are concerned with eternity. Not the ways of the world. God is their desire. Verse 5 reveals us that people are what their minds are set upon. Dear friend. Are you more concerned for the things of this fallen world or are you more concerned for your soul? Look at verse 6. This is such a serious verse and I want to, I want to speak with it, on it with urgency here. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Paul here gives us a contrast. See what the consequence of setting the mind on the flesh is and setting the mind on the spirit is. On the flesh it is death, on the spirit it is life and peace. You see, to desire sinfulness, the flesh is death and it is a grave thing indeed to have your mind set upon the flesh because this will only lead you to death. So please do listen carefully this evening if you're not a Christian. 
it will lead you to eternal death, eternal separation from God in hell. That's what the Bible teaches. That's what God's word tells us. Unless you turn, this is the good news, unless you turn from living according to the flesh and turn to Christ and repent of your sin, turn from sin and put your faith in him as Lord and Saviour for your life, this will be the result of your setting your mind upon the flesh. Unless you do this. But... To set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Those who live according to the Spirit have their mind on the Spirit. That's what we read. And the result of this is life and peace. A happy contrast indeed from those who have their mind on the flesh. This is the Christian. They have life and peace in this world, but also for all eternity. All eternity. Life and peace with God for eternity. What joy this brings to the believer's ear. Verse 7, for the mind that is set in the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. To have your mind set on the flesh is hostile to God. Let me put that another way. If you gratify your sinful cravings, you're hostile to God. You're hostile to a holy, holy, holy God. If you have not turned to Christ, repented of your sin, put your faith in him, you're hostile. No matter how good you are by your deeds, you might be the kindest person. You might be the most loveliest person. But if your mind is on the flesh, you're hostile to God. That is the truth of the Bible. I know plenty of kind people who I love. But their mind is on the flesh. They're hostile to God. Let's see, you cannot submit to God's law if your mind is on the flesh. You obey not God, rather you obey yourself. And this leads to death. And so today, just stop. And think about this and turn to God. Verse 8, it's a small verse, but one we must pay heed to. Those who are in the flesh, they cannot please God. He concludes, Paul here, he concludes that those who are in the flesh, they cannot please God. Because as Christians, it is our desire to please God. As his children, we must seek to glorify him constantly. But those who are in the flesh... They cannot please God because they only seek to please themselves and rather they, they displease God. Friend, if you do not know the Lord as a saviour, you live according to the flesh. I encourage you to believe that Jesus, he died upon the cross, taking there the punishment for sin. See your need to repent and he, he, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven. And sits at the right hand of God, the Father. To set the mind on the flesh, you see, is death. Look at verse 9 with me there. I have a short uh, something to say on that. It says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of life, the Spirit of God 
dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. All Christians who truly believe in Christ Jesus have dwelling within them the spirit of God. And this is how we know if someone is in the spirit or not. Paul helps us with that. He continues to say, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. If there is no fruit or evidence of fruit in a person, then there is grounds for self-examination to see if they truly belong to Christ. Verse 10, but if Christ is in you, but if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit of life, spirit is life because of righteousness. Paul begins verse 10 by saying, but if Christ is in you, but if Christ is in you, even though the body is dead due to sin, if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin. You see, the bodies of Christians are not yet redeemed. They still die physically, but they are free from condemnation of sin. The verse goes on to say, the spirit is life. If God's spirit dwells within you, your spirit is alive because the righteousness of Jesus Christ is yours. And finally, as we come to verse 11, we read, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Paul, he tells the Romans and us that if the spirit of God who raised the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you, he will also give life to our mortal bodies. Our body and spirit will be reunited. As Anglicans, we profess weekly, don't we, in the Apostles' Creed, we believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Just as Christ was risen, our bodies shall be risen. This evening, in closing, I implore you to see the wonder of the gospel. The joy of the gospel, the good news that it is, as Christians, children of God, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We thank Jesus Christ for taking the form of a servant, humbling himself to come to this earth to die upon the cross, making their full satisfaction for the wrath of God. Rising again three days later, exalted and is seated at the right hand of God the Father. To God be the glory, great things he has done indeed. Let me finish with these words of a well-known hymn, which you will definitely all know in Donoclone Parish. No condemnation now I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine. Alive in him, my living head, unclothed in righteousness divine. Bold, I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. 
amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? If you have any questions at all, or any, even if you want to chat about the passage, I'm sure Brian or George or David would love to hear from you. I would even love to hear from you. If you want to get in contact somehow, please do. Far away, we'd love to hear from you. But let us just close in prayer. Let us pray. O oh God, our Father in heaven, we thank you for this, your word. It is so convicting and comforting to us. And Father, we just pray now that we would be children of yours who go out and share the gospel. Father, we thank you for your word in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this Donnacony Parish podcast. We're happy for this teaching to be shared for the advancement of gospel work and to help make disciples. For information about Donnacony Parish, please check out our website www.donnacony.co.uk or find us on social media.